Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am T.K. Hello, T.K. Hello, how are you? You're so kind to ask. I'm feeling better. You know, I had kind of a rough week last week, so I'm feeling much better now. Um, just really excited to get into the word. How about yourself? Oh, uh, yeah, I can take it today. Um, All right. Let's see how it goes. Um, yes, we uh, last episode we learned about uh, Jonathan trying to help uh, uh, talk to his dad about not killing David. But Saul mm-hmm. had an evil spirit from the Lord, which is a weird place for a weird evil spirit to come from. And um, David takes off um, to hide out, and then. Um, Jonathan gives him basically this uh, sort of, you know, statement of love, mm-hmm. um, um, basically saying, you know, I just I love you so much, man. And then um, David and the holy bread, that part. I don't know if I really got that part, um, but you know what? I'm OK with not getting the Bible. Um. No, because that has been a critique I've heard. You don't get it. So I think we, I think it's our duty. I think it's our duty to get it as much as possible. Well, we didn't chat GPT for Samuel 21 last time. Do you want to, or we tried to and it like gave us 22 instead. All I know is like David, like there's some holy bread and. Um, I still have a thing because some of it was in there, but. Okay. And I haven't actually, I actually have not been using ChatGPT that much lately. I've been using Bard by Google. It seems um, I still haven't really gotten into the habit of using these tools yet. Um, you know what's funny is I did my first generative fill for using Adobe Photoshop and um, using Premiere Pro when I was editing some stuff yesterday. So you can create essentially your own backgrounds. Um out of nothing wow. like all you have to do is have a flat surface like you know stand up against a wall or a backdrop that's like a solid and you can you can you know mask and cut out stuff and have it create make it look like you're on a, in an a, a condo apartment with an ocean view if you want i don't so, that's, and it's what's what's crazy is just how fast it is because that's all stuff you've been able to do in Photoshop. It would just take a long time and like be very arduous to make it look realistic. And now with just like a keystroke, it's like boom. Yeah, yeah. Technology advances us, uh, which is I don't know if you've been sending, seeing all the videos I've been sending you because uh, from Wisecrack mostly. I would love to do a podcast with them or do an episode I with them. Too. Um, I, I do like the the wisecrack ethos. But the last one I sent you, or the most recent one I sent you, was um, talking about religious functionalism and how, and it, it, the examples it gave um, were Rick and Morty, and how Welcome the, back. the newest 
season seems to be doing kind of a 180 about like God, or at least they had a particular episode about how religion actually can be a good thing because it is, it allows like with so many people to become non-believers, it a lot, it makes, um, it can make the world a dangerous place. Cause a lot of people don't operate how you and I operate where it's like, Oh, okay, it's fine. We don't have a, a God per se, but like still be a good person. A lot of people like need that like thing to hold them back from being a fucking, uh, a terrorist or something. I don't know. I mean, if you're going to be a maniac without religion, by all means, just do religion. It's just religion never stays within the just personal. It always expands into the political. No, absolutely. And which is a critique that I think you and I both had about it. I just thought it was an interesting take. Um, I, also th- I don't really even take that point. I don't think people need it necessarily. I think we've it's something that has evolved and has been functional, but the Native Americans have a wonderful phrase where a spiritual practice that no longer serves you is like carrying a canoe after you get out of the water. Hmm. Like this may have been useful at one time, but now it's more of a bug than a feature. See, this is just gonna flow like clockwork today. Shout out to the Native okay. Americans. I saw Killers of the Flower Moon this uh Sunday uh, about the Osage Nation in the killers who you know tried to take their fucking wealth oh my gosh first of all that was a fantastic film we might have to do a whole episode about that but oh man um the native americans are not only a beautiful like just a beautiful like culture but the movie was just fantastic man so this is probably if not the best this is probably one of leonardo dicaprio's best performances i've ever seen him do and um very impressive and the woman uh i think her name is molly gladstone who plays his wife the native american but she's fantastic too um i don't know building it up there i'd love to see it it's three and a half Um, hours long it does utilize this time like i never felt like i don't mind long movies well, yeah, I never felt like, oh, my God, just get to the point. But I do think there were some areas where they could have probably trimmed it down. But Scorsese, man, at fucking 80 or whatever the fuck he is, dude, well, he, he's, like the, he's, he's like the reason that he he's like the he's like the the Michael Jordan or he might be the LeBron James of uh, filmmaking. I don't know. Cause basically with the longevity longevity too um i think it's more important to tap into native american narratives i feel like growing up we never really got any like meaningful education about the people whose land we occupy but the more i learn about different tribes the more i'm like wow what a what an outstanding culture and what an absolute tragedy that these you know barbarian uh capitalists fucked them up it makes me First of all, I think my some part of I mean you probably say this about a lot of people here in the United States, but I definitely think some part of my family is Native American because I think both of my grandmothers might have had Native American. But regardless, we're here at the Bible breakdown. Both T and Cat are something of a melange racially. Yes, it makes even the race is a very imprecise term. I want to say this. 
politically correct, but I also don't really have the terms to put it. It makes me look at a certain type of white people and just be like, you guys pale are faces. Certain type of pale I mean, faces. We're, we're doing, I want to use more Native American parlance. They call them pale faces. I think a it's certain great. part of pale faces is like, man, you guys are really fucking evil. Like that movie just made me like almost jaw drop of just how evil some white people well, can and, be. And let's just be exactly some because this is basically um, kind of a. But all benefit of, from it. That's the thing. But right, exactly. If you claim the moniker, but like one of the things that <clears throat> I listened to a podcast called Inner Cosmos and he was talking about something called Syndrome E, which has happened across like many populations of many colors where basically there's, you know, this in group, out group thinking and you cease to think of the out group as human. And it's crazy because even like we're talking about the pale faces, but they wouldn't even treat animals the way they've treated Native Americans and black people. You know what I mean? Like, they would flip out if anybody treated a dog like that. Oh, no so I guess our mayor, the, or the person who's trying to become elected mayor, uh, Shreve, I guess is the person's name. I don't know. Or something yeah, like that's that. that's the nigga's name. He's running against Joe Hodgson. Okay, so I got, you know, it's political, it's, 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 it's voting time, and all the stuff's coming out. So, <laughs> and one of the things I saw that he doesn't support abortion. And, oh, surprise, surprise. And, but that was one of the little pieces of uh, promotional letters that came. But then the next one came and it showed, I guess this, <laughs> it showed that he actually had been upset with our previous or our current administration's handling of animal shelters and animal care and all of this yeah. stuff. And I, and I literally said to my grandma, yo, that's so crazy. He doesn't want you to get an abortion. But he cares about what the fuck is happening to the animals. Well, from his from I don't know about his point of view, but from their talking points, the reason they don't want people to get abortions is because they care about babies so much. They care more than you about people because they care about the precious, innocent, itty bitty babies that they'll be able to prey upon because they're unwanted in this world. So, um, yeah, people don't think about um, like and what's so crazy is because we've been reading the bible for a while here there's nothing that says like jesus wants you i mean the only thing we've come across so far is a in like the ingredients for uh basically an abortion potion is -hmm. the closest thing we've come to anything about abortion and god was giving you the instructions basically like if you think this bitch is cheating on her on you have her drink this and if she's cheating she'll have a nice little miscarriage and if uh, not, you can just stay married to her. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. It's one of the so, few things I remember. Yeah. it's To me, it's very upsetting that, um, like I said, like it, it would be fine if people use religion just as their own personal moral guides as to how they want to move in the world, but they don't. They try to force it on everybody else because it's not about that. It's about power and dominion. So, And it reminds me of uh, Foundation. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't stop talking about it. It's so freaking good. Apple TV, get into it. Isaac Asimov, people, he was on to some stuff. People, I think, with power, and then we can get into the episode, but people with, the one of the remark, I guess, fascinating things about power, and you've said this before, and ever since you said this, I think it just completely continues to apply to my life. But the fact that the people who 
have the least control or the least power of of, of themselves are the always least the amount one, of self control. Yeah, are always the ones who want to like put that upon control you. everybody else. And, yeah, and the it, people who can't control themselves want to control everybody else. It's like master yourself first. And and it frustrates people like when I get around people because I've noticed it like when I'm when I don't react a certain way or I don't do something that they want me like they think it's like you're I, not afraid of hell. It, it it like really makes them uncomfortable mm-hmm. and kind of belligerent sometimes. Very much so. Um, people don't like uh, the contradictions to their programming, but that's the beautiful part of being human. We can sort of expound past our programming like we are programmed kind of be to be selfish monsters that's why we need you know parents to kind of like mold us and keep us from you know being like hey no you're not the center of the universe you have to live with everybody else keep your hands to yourself like there's all these it's it's very simple and it doesn't mean like the and if you don't the god of the universe will burn you in a pit of fire forever it's like whoa 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 that was quite the leap just because i didn't want to share my crayons <laughs> but yeah but we're an example too that broken crayons still color Ugh. I don't like coloring I do I was just saying but. that to be antagonistic <laughs> I very much alright so we're gonna pick up with David once again I, I've been enjoying the David saga I, I told you I was pretty excited to get into it and I think I've pretty much convinced T for the most part I mean, we haven't even gotten into like all of the evidence but the f- I cat personally feels that Saul Jonathan and David were in something of a, a love triangle I think there was a lot of gay sex going on um in my humble opinion and I mean David I mean he obviously liked the ladies too but as we're learning like people have complicated sexualities so especially when they're in positions of power and a lot of people are trying to sleep with them um sure yes and when they're super hot like they've made it a point of letting us know that the cast of these characters super hot well that's the thing that I think has made it all um worthwhile for are there any famous movies about like David because if you think about it were there any what I didn't hear like famous movies because when you think about it like the Ten Commandments that's famous about Moses and like the what was the uh, Prince of Egypt like usually they go after Moses and stuff but like the David and Goliath story you hear that but you really don't hear you don't there's not a lot of singling out of the David narratives and I think it's because even if you watch them play out you'll be like that was pretty gay also another reminder here at the Bible breakdown there are we are super here for the LGBT the ligabigatigas we we love sexual diversity we love all kinds of diversity sexual diversity uh cultural diversity gender diversity we're here for all of it um and you why did you say that well because i was pointing out that these characters seem kind of gay and i didn't want it to seem like a pejorative it's just it's just an angle that usually isn't taken because generally religious people are very homophobic and that's another thing (laughs) the the amount of bother, bothered that people become with homophobia is really like wild to me. Um, Wait, they're bothered by homophobia or by gay people? 
because I'm bothered by homophobia. Okay. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I used homophobia incorrectly. Um. So thank you for the correction. Bothered by I meant to say homosexuality. Um, okay. Yeah, homophobia is the opposite, or the hate of homosexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> but yeah, it, I think they're preoccupied because they think about gay sex a lot, and they think they're going to hell for it. So they just compensate by being like, "I hate it." It's like, well, think about it a lot for someone who hates it. You know, but the levels that people take it to is like super extreme. Like, I know somebody who says he wants to have. He feels like they all should just get put on an island somewhere. Or he, he probably wants to go to he probably wants to go to that island and suck a bunch of dick. Okay, on that note, I'm gonna start first Samuel twenty two. David and his followers at Dulam. Dulam? Adulam. There it is. David left there and escaped to the cave of Adulam, where his brothers and all his father's house heard of it. They went down there to him, everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them those who were with him numbered about 400 hold on one second i want to check and make sure okay cool david went from there to mespah to of moab he said to the king of moab please let my father and my mother come to you until i know what god will do for me he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet of Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Leave and go to the land of Judah. So David left and went into the forest of Hereth. Saul slaughters the priests of Noah. Saul heard that David and those who were with him had been located. Saul was sitting at Jebeth under the tamarisk tree on the height with his spear in his hand and all his servants were standing around him. Saul said to his servants who stood around here, <clears throat> around him, here now you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Is that why all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a league with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servants against me to lie in wait as he is doing today. Doeg, uh, the Edomite, who was in charge of Saul's servants, answered, <clears throat> I saw the son of Jesse coming to Noab, to Amalek, son of Ahitub. He inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. The king sent for the priest of Embelmelech, son of Ahitub, and for all his father's house and the priests who were at Noab, and all of them came to the king. Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitub. He answered, here I am, my Lord. Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, by giving him bread and a sword and by inquiring of God for him so that he may has risen against me to lie in wait as he is doing today? Then Am Amalek said to the king, who among all of your servants is so faithful as David? He's the king's son-in-law and is quick to do your bidding and is honored in your house. Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? By no means. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any member of my father's house, for your servant has known nothing of all this, much, of, much or little. The king said, You shall surely die, Amalek. 
uh, I, <clears throat> Amalek, all, you and all your father's house. The king said to the guard who stood around him, turn and, and kill the priest of the Lord because their hand also is with David. They knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not raise their hand to attack the priest of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, you, Doeg, turn and attack the priest. Doeg, the Edomite, turned and attacked the priest. On that day, he killed 85 who wore the linen ephah. Nob, the king of the city of the priests, he put to the sword men and women, children and infants, oxen, donkeys, and sheep, he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, son of Ahitu, named Abithar, escaped and fled after David. Abathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. David said to Abathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I am responsible for the lives of all your father's house. Stay with me and do not be afraid. For the one who seeks my life seeks your life. You will be safe with me. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So... Um, that was the chapter that I had mistakenly uh, summarized for last week. But, yeah, he went there and killed all those people. That's uh, just wild. And it seems I got to say, it feels like an overreaction. I know in the past I said I kind of felt sorry for Saul because I felt like Samuel was gaslighting him and kind of using some mental abuse tactics. Um, and now it seems like Saul is like, you know what? I'm only good at killing, so that's how I'm going to solve all my problems. Yeah, don't kill people. No, I mean, I mean, there are sometimes there are certain situations where killing someone is the moral thing to do. For instance, if they're trying to harm someone um, or you're doing um, self-defense, those are usually acceptable uh, situations to kill someone but to wipe out a whole priest village that seems what about the, the death minimum. penalty i'm not in favor of the death penalty okay so um yeah i think the um yeah i think killing the 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 men women children infants oxen donkeys and sheep i think that was um a bit of a tamper tantrum just because you can't kill the one guy you just really want to kill for once again like Saul doesn't really seem to have any legitimate I mean he does kind of actually have a point because if we remember we go back a couple chapters Samuel did anoint David king of Israel like so basically you know he just feels the pressure coming like on his back like be like, oh the heat's around the corner but I think it would have been politically more savvy for him just to make David one of his generals. Hmm. But this happens in palace intrigues. A lot of times the king gets threatened because the general and military leaders become more popular than leadership. And then that's what you have a little military coup. Yeah. I've also seen the opposite of that where uh, the leadership is given the generals and military too much power. And it, I mean, it backfires yep so um i don't know i think uh did the lord do anything in that chapter or was he just sitting this one out uh, 
seemed like it was just like, decide amongst yourselves. I've given you all the tools. <laughs> um, and so the priest, oh, well, that was the thing, too, because that's what the priest, Saul killed the priest for, for talking to God on David's behalf. Well, well okay. Which, again, I don't understand why that they... they I know God just doesn't it, talk himself, but yeah, yeah, like it's it's it always has to be over barbecue, which I get, you know, if I were I mean, I'm not God, and I you know I feel like i I prefer to talk i'm I'm more likely to give you what you want if you bring me some barbecue, um, shall we jump into samuel twenty three I think we or, shall, okay, uh, David saves the city of. Kyla? Kayla? I'm gonna go with Kyla. Uh now they told David the Philistines are fighting against Kyla and are robbing the threshing floors. David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kyla. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kyla against the armies of the Philistines? Then David and David inquired of the Lord again. The Lord answered him, You go down to Kyla, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Kyla, fought with the Philistines, brought away their livestock, and dealt them a heavy defeat. Thus David rescued the inhabitants of Kyla. When Abiathar, Abiathar son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Kyla, he came down with an ephod in his hand. Um, what is an ephod again? Is that a rod? It's like a little scepter. Scepter. Okay. Now it was told Saul now it was told Saul now it was told Saul that David had come to Kyla, and Saul said God has given him into my hand for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Kyla to besiege David and his men when David learned that Saul was plotting evil against him he said to the priest Abiathar uh, bring the ephod here. David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant, has heard that Saul seeks to come to Kyla to destroy the city on my account. And now will, and now, and now will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, I beseech you, tell your servant. The Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Kyla surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? The Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about six hundred, set out and left Kyla. They wandered where they wandered wherever they could go. They wandered wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kyla, he gave up the expedition. David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness in the hill country of the wilderness of Zip. Uh, Saul sought him every day, but the Lord did not give him into his hand. David eludes Saul in the wilderness. David was in the wilderness of Zip at Horesh when he learned that Saul had come out to seek his life. Saul's son Jonathan set out and came to David at Horesh. There he strengthened his land through the Lord. He said to him, Do not be afraid, for the hand of my father Saul shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be second to you. My father Saul also knows that this is so. Then the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at the Horesh, and Jonathan went home. 
Then some Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah and said, David is hiding among us in the strongholds of Horesh on the hill of Hagalah, which is south of Jeshimon. Now, O king, wherever you wish to come down, uh, whenever you wish to come down, do so, and our part will be to surrender him into the king's hand. Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord for showing me compassion. Go and make sure once more, find out exactly where he is and who has seen him there. For I am told that he is very cunning. Look around and lean and learn all the hiding places where he lurks and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. So they set out and went to Zip ahead of Saul. David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. Saul and his men went to search for him. When David was told, he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. When Saul heard that, he pursued David into the wilderness of Maon. Uh, Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. David was hurrying to get away from Saul while Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them. Then a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come for the Philistines have made a raid on the land. So Saul stopped pursuing David and went against the Philistines. Uh, therefore, the, therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Indeed. I also had to issue a correction. An ephod isn't the scepter thing. It's mm -hmm. a sleeveless garment worn by Jewish priests. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, once again, this things are getting out of control. Like, you know, uh, Saul is just... And I don't like the Jonathan character. I feel like he's a hoe. <laughs> why do you feel like that because like imagine if your dad was like the king of like our land and his rival like you're helping his rival and possibly sleeping with him i mean possibly but but i mean the fact is, we do what, know we, that he's helping him like he's making covenants with your en enemy yeah, no, I'm not dis I'm not disputing the fact that he helped him. I mean, I got that. I'm just saying, like, I mean, his dad is kind of in the wrong, though. True, but shouldn't he, instead of trying to play both sides, just be like, Dad, you're messing up. I'm going to be real with you. I'm on David's side. I mean, Instead yeah, of doing not... this little sleek where he's playing both sides of the fence where he's like, no, nah, Dad, I'm help you kill David. And then he's that's like, That's not how power him. works, and that's why you have none. Ooh, actually, I got a little. <laughs> But like, but he would, I mean, that's what I'm, well, maybe you're right. He's like Littlefinger, but we all know what happened yeah. to him. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Littlefinger or Tyrion. Probably Littlefinger. Actually, I don't want to, I know what happens to Jonathan, so I'm going to stop. But uh, yeah, he just seems like a hoe to me. Um, once again, I feel like Saul maybe is just kind of um, being corrupted by power. And, you know, he's a young country boy. Like, you know, I have all these novels and historical documents about, you know, leadership over time. I imagine Saul probably just knew about sheep. Yeah. And donkeys. He was on his way to look for some donkeys when he was discovered. So he was no Jay-Z. So. No. Once again, like he was just limited by 
what he could hear from the Lord, which should have been infinite, but seems like it was kind of just limited by what Samuel knew. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if they have a deeper um, breakdown of this in like other, I guess. Perhaps. Text. Um, But neither here nor there right now. We can move on to 24. Okay, I'm into it. Uh, oh, and I don't I don't think we said this at the top of the show. We're reading the New Revised Standard Version of yes. uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, um, David spares Saul's life. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness of Engendi. Jedi? Gendai. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to look for David and his men in the direction of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds beside the road where there was a crave, and David went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. The men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, I will give your enemies into your hand, and you shall do to him as seems good to you. Then David went and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's cloak. Afterwards David was stricken to the heart because he had cut the corner of Saul's cloak. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to raise my hand against him, for he's the Lord's anointed. So David scolded his men severely and did not permit them to attack Saul. Then Saul got up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterwards, Dave also rose up and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king! Then Saul looked behind him. David bowed with his face to the ground and did obeisance. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of those who say David seeks to do you harm? This very day, your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave, and some urged you to urge me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not raise my head against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See my father, see the corner of your cloak in my hand, for by the fact that I cut off the corner of your cloak and did not kill you, you may know for certain that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you are hunting me to take my life. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the ancient proverb says, out of the wickedness comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. Against whom has the Lord of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A single flea? May the Lord therefore be judged and give sentence between me and you. May he see to it and plead my cause and vindicate me against you. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for I had for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Today you have explained how you have dealt well with me, and that you have not killed me when the Lord put me in your hands. For who has ever found an enemy and sent the enemy safely away? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Now I know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me therefore by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not wipe out my name from my father's house. So David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went straight up to the stronghold. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Um, you reading that actually, while you were reading that, I was um, reviewing um, like what this chapter meant or what it means. Okay. And it brought okay. up 
an interest. Well, it brought up a few things. So, um, basically, um, what according to Bard, uh, there are at least three lessons to be learned from this. Um, we learned that God is faithful to His promises. He promised David that He would be the next king of Israel, and He protected David from he Saul. Um, promised Saul some stuff too, but whatever. <laughs> we learned that God's mercy is greater than our sin. David has sinned by running away from Saul and by killing Saul's soldiers, but Saul was also a sinner and he tried to kill David multiple times. Yet David chose to spare Saul's life. God's mercy is available to everyone, no matter how much we have sinned. And then thirdly, we learned God is in control. Uh, David could have easily killed Saul in the cave, but he chose not to. That shows that God is sovereign and that he is working out his plan in the world. Um, now, I say all that to say this brings me back to the video I watched the other day about religious functionalism. And it made me think of while you were reading this, it made me think of the fact that because we always debate on whether these characters were even real to begin with. But in the video, they talk about like something that I've always said, how it's not necessarily whether this is this is um, people were real or not, but more so that the myth uh, inspires, quote unquote, morality or goodness in people. And so I just find that fascinating because looking at this story and then seeing like this breakdown about it, I can totally see how people would be like, okay, this, this makes sense to them. Okay. So, but for someone like me, Mm -hmm. what some people might call a bitch, Uh, like this is it. Okay. (laughs) I'm glad we can agree. I wouldn't say this is very moral. Like these guys have killed perhaps thousands of people and because he didn't kill one guy one time, now it's good. Like even uh, in the chapter before, because I'd asked <laughs> I'd asked, like, where's the Lord been? And actually the Lord does show up in chapter twenty three and he all he's doing is telling David to kill people. Like, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines. But David's men said, Look, we're afraid. And then the Lord is like, yes, go down to kill, you know, Kila or whatever, because I will give the Philistines to you. Mm. So to me, like one of the problems is the Lord doesn't seem particularly moral. Like the Lord is fine with you just killing people indiscriminately so that you can get their land. Kind of like what's going on in Israel right now. That's so interesting. And kind of how we got the United States. But you're so you dare. Not even kind of. It's exactly how. So you dare say. Uh, <laughs> that these stories have uh, plot holes, I guess. I wouldn't even say a plot hole. I'd say like the the people who wrote this stuff didn't see anything morally wrong with wiping out people you don't know to get what you want. It's just now because time is going on and we have evolved and the Overton window has moved on. Like I would like to, I mean, we're still doing it now, but generally there are more people saying it's wrong to kill people to take their stuff i agree with that i also want to point out from a writing standpoint like a narrative standpoint and this is one i've heard this in several pieces of media but one of the biggest things like when any revenge tale when somebody goes on like a murdering spree and then they finally catch the person that they're supposed to kill and then they spare them it's like one of the worst things to do because then it makes the rest of the movie feel kind of like yeah all those other deaths you killed all them henchmen yeah and now you gonna let the big dog go yeah. it's like man it's kind of this thing where our minds are like well yeah fuck stormtroopers 
But you know, like, it, but those are people. I always thought they were robots. I didn't realize. I did too when I was younger. Yeah, I always thought they were robots. So like, they might as well have been. It was like you know they were just battle fodder. But even like now, reading Foundation, if robots are complex enough, I think it's you know immoral to harm them. Yes, I agree. Well, like Westworld. Yes. Um, <laughs> I just I don't know. Like I didn't. I it wasn't until I guess the prequel that I realized like that there were people under there, but the people were clones, and then the I guess sequel to the original trilogy. I guess, apparently, they're no longer clones. They can just be anybody. So, like, it was very. I'm very confused about Star Wars. I have a love hate with Star Wars. Actually, I just love it. I, I accept it for what it is. No. Um. And and also too, because I don't use it as my moral guide. Like it's just entertainment. I don't use it as my I, moral guide, but it was. It, I'm just saying because we're comparing it to you know the you know like it, it's just. <laughs> At least we know some guy just made our shit up. I think for this, you know, when people reference the Bible or whatever, like they're not really aware of even where it came from. It's just something that's always been in their lives. And there's just this conceit where it's like, well, since it's always been around for me, it's always been around. Um, do you want to, uh, let's see, ne it looks like next time we'll be reading about the death of Samuel. Um, can't say I feel bad about that. I don't think he would just, you know, his actions. I don't think he was necessarily a good person, but I don't think he was raised in a good environment. Um, David uh, and the wife of Nabal. That sounds like he probably had an affair. David Spears saw his life a second time. That's, so that means it's probably a mistake. Um, and then David serves King Ashkish at Gath. I don't even know what that means, but that'll probably be interesting. Uh, get therapy. Don't I'll... kill people with it. Get therapy, mental health therapy. Be kind and uh, mm -hmm. you know, be curious, not judgmental. Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, peace.